for this month as we start off uh, the brand new year, before the message fully begins, we are going to be doing uh, what we're calling vision moments. And during these vision moments, we are going to give you a sense of what God is going to be doing in our church over the course of this year. And um, as I was praying about 2020 as a church, what are we doing? Where are we going? What is God wanting to do? The word flourish came to mind. And it wasn't the word um, that, you know, when I was praying about it, it wasn't like we just sit back and watch what God is going to do. But it was more like a challenge because I felt God putting on my heart that what we want to see flourish, we need to nourish. And yes, I saw that quote somewhere else. I'm not that clever at rhyming words, but what you nourish flourishes. And what we want to do is to make sure that the conditions that we have in our church are ripe for God to bring in this flourishing that we want to see, right? That is something that God has really put on my heart. And so we have got a few different initiatives, a few different things that we're wanting to do. And I'm going to highlight two things this morning um, that we are um, brand new initiatives. I'm really excited about these and I hope that you are as well. And the first one of this is second parenting. And now many of you might have heard about this before uh, we have started to mention second parenting and what second parenting is for our church is how we disciple people as Christians we all have been given the Great Commission that is in Matthew 28 before Jesus resurrected went back to heaven ascended to heaven sorry he gave a commission to all his disciples which includes us today and what he says is to go and make disciples of all nations Every single Christian has a mandate, a responsibility to disciple. And in my, I think I worked it out. I've been a pastor for 10 years today. Well, not today, this year, sometime during this year. 10 years, I'm like, gosh, that's gone by quick. But let me say that in the 10 years of being a pastor, this is probably one of the things that I find hardest to motivate Christians about. Discipleship is scary. For many people, when you say, oh, is, go, go disciple someone, people say, I'm not qualified, I'm not trained, I don't know what I'm doing, that person's not going to respect me, I don't have enough relationship. The excuses are probably a mile long, and the number of people that actually say, no, I, this is something that God's called me to do, which all of us should be saying, by the way, is really small and so God's put on our heart back in my heart as we were praying about how do we get discipleship happening in our church we discovered this idea this perspective that parenting and discipleship are actually not that different you see as a parent the goal of parenting is to raise well-adjusted adults right that they are healthy in all aspects of their life you guys are looking at me really blank I guess there are a few parents here. You help me out. Just say amen. Can you imagine your child being well-adjusted, excited, and you know they, they are effective, they are trained, they, they, they know where they are going, and they know how to handle and manage their emotional life, their physical life, their relationships. Who wants to see that of their kids? Now, when we think about discipleship and what Christians should look like through the process of discipleship, we want to see well-adjusted Christians that know how to manage their physical, emotional, social, and spiritual lives. So parenting and discipleship are actually not that different. And so we want to bring this perspective in, and we want to be truly like a family in this church, where every person that comes in finds family, but they find second parents as well. 
people who are committed to seeing them grow on their journey. And you don't need to be an expert. If I can speak to parents here for a moment, when you were uh, ready for your first child, pregnant with your first child, preparing for your first child, did you feel ready? Did you go through any courses to say, once you do this course, you are now an expert parent? No, you just had a bump in your belly that one day became a blob in your arms. Yes, your child is not beautiful until the age of three. And um, you just needed to do something with that that was already entrusted to you. Discipleship is not that different. You jump in and you go, I'm going to learn along the way. I've spoken to so many parents that have said it's because they have gone through the experience of parenting that they've learned about parenting. Discipleship is not any different. You're not going to know what discipleship is like until you take the steps into discipleship. That's definitely been my journey. The more I disciple, the more I second parent people, the more I learn about my walk with God, about who I need to be, who God is calling me to be. It's an exciting journey. But at the same time as a church, we don't just want to throw you down the deep end. We want to support. We want to train. We want to encourage you. And therefore, we are setting up systems around this. And if you want to know more about second parenting, if that's something, this is not a sign-up. This is an information session that we're going to hold on the 16th of February at the Hub. And it's after our experience in the morning, in the afternoon, we're going to unpack what second parenting is like. We're going to talk about some tools. We're going to talk about support networks that we're setting up, how to initiate all of these things. That's all going to be on the 16th of Feb. And there's a sign-up sheet on the yellow table in the foyer. Just put your name down so that we know. We want to we wanna have a good afternoon together. We want to make sure that uh, we cater for every person that wants to come. Uh, if there's too many people, we might set up another info session as well uh, just to make that happen. So make sure you help us out to organize this event um, by signing up in the foyer. But let's get discipling this year. If we want to flourish, we need to nourish. How do you nourish as Christians? Discipleship. We must disciple. We must. You must be discipled. You must be discipling. That's the process that every Christian needs to go through. Now, the second initiative that I want to talk about today is more exclusive. Second parenting is for every person. Even if you're not a parent, even if you're young, there's still aspects that you can start with today. But there is also something that we are calling the Leadership Greenhouse that is more exclusive. We're looking for a group of maybe eight to ten people that committed through this year are going to be receiving leadership coaching, leadership teaching from myself. Just to give you an understanding of my qualifications, I've been a pastor for ten years. I'm still here. That's a pretty good thing. But more than that, I'm also studying. I'm studying for my Master's of Leadership. I've got two units to go. Um, so by the end of next year, you should be able to call me Master Nate. And, um, and I have been training and working hard at that. But, you know, I love leadership. I have been studying leadership for the last few years very specifically. And what I've learned is that there is so much that we can learn about uh, leadership. And what I'm also really afraid about is that the more I go through my journey, the more I realize that in churches, we operate using uh, uh, industrial revolution style leadership. I'm not even joking. I've seen many churches in my role with the state. I get around with uh, different churches, different leaders, 
And leadership is something that we believe is an anointing from the Lord. Yes, it is. It is a gifting. It's a position that God allows us to have. But there are skills that we need to learn. Just like any other gifting that God gives to us, we need to train up. We need to get ourselves ready for it. And therefore, we are going to be deliberate about training up leaders in this house. There are going to be five sessions that we meet throughout the year. I've already set the date so that we can lock it in. And, and um, there's going to be... Um, uh, some challenges, projects, homework that you're going to have to do. It's not going to be over the top, but it's to give you a taste of leadership. It's for you to explore leadership. I believe that God is specifically speaking to some people here. That right now as you're hearing this, there's something in your spirit that's going, I, I want to go uh, further in my leadership. That's for you. Sign up, go fill up the application form. It doesn't mean that every person is going to get through because we're only looking for eight to ten people. And so the application form is a little bit more involved than the usual. Put your name and contact number down. I want to know why you want to do leadership. I want to know what God is calling you towards. And so fill up the application form, hand that back to me, and we're going to work through that process. So second parenting and leadership greenhouse. A bit more information on... Um, the yellow table in the foyer, and um, that's the vision moment done. Next week, Beck will be talking about our community engagement and what we're doing this year and some of the initiatives that are coming up from that. Uh, but today, we start off our brand new series, What to Do When. What to do when. I'm really excited about this. Next week, we're going to talk about what to do when I am stressed out. How many people, I, I've known so many people last year, uh, can you imagine I'm talking about last year, which was about five days ago, and um, some people that were just going through 2019 stressed out of their skulls. And, and what does God have to say about stress? How do we handle that? How many people want to have a 2020 where you are managing your stress well? I know I want to, and I want everyone to flourish, as we've been saying so far. And um, so that's next week. Um, but today we are going to dive into, and I'm going to introduce a topic in just a moment, but I want to tell you a story first. On December the 28th, 1978, this is about 40 years ago, the commercial flight industry changed, completely changed. But the, how it changed was, was quite unusual circumstances. See, United Airlines Flight 173 was taking a very routine two and a half hour flight from New York City to Portland. The flight um, pilot was one of the most experienced pilots in the United Airlines roster. And he had an experienced flight crew with him. His co-pilot, his flight engineer were both with multiple years experience in flying commercial flights. And so they embarked on this flight. And as they were about to get ready to land in Portland, they had nearly reached the end of their journey. And suddenly they felt a little vibration. And then they noticed that the landing gear light, so not the landing gear itself, the landing gear light did not come on. They had tried to get the landing gear down as they were approaching landing, but the light that was supposed to indicate that the landing gear was properly engaged did not come on. And so obviously, the flight crew knew that that was something that they had to look into. And they started to troubleshoot and they started looking to it. At the same time, they put the flight into a holding pattern, which basically means they were just going in circles until they could work out whether they could land safely. They were in a holding pattern for about an hour, and then the flight crashed. Ten people died. Another 23 people were seriously injured. 
But the flight crashed not because of the landing gear, but because the flight simply ran out of fuel. As they were holding in this holding pattern, they ran out of fuel and dropped out of the sky. How crazy is that? That this highly trained, highly experienced crew could let the flight fall out of the sky because of something as routine as managing their fuel. They had the black box taken out and they listened to it as they were working out how this could have happened. And they heard the co-pilot and the engineer mentioning on a couple of occasions, how is our fuel? How is our fuel? But the whole team were so caught up in this landing gear issue that they did not do anything about their fuel. Through this, as I mentioned, the commercial flight industry changed because they initiated something called crew resource management. So whenever a new crisis or something would come up, they will always have one of the team looking after the normal functioning of the flight. How crazy that we need to put systems in place to do something as routine. That, that, that was probably the most mind-numbing part of the job flying the plane probably on autopilot. But as I was thinking about that, and as I was thinking about this week and the topic, we're going to be talking this morning about what to do when I've got options. I started to realize that our life is very much about resource management. And when we think about options, options are simply about resource management. Let me put it for you this way, little object lesson. Let's say this jug has got water. I decided not to put water in it because I've got an iPad on this table and a mic in one of my hands and I was like, uh, I'm not that coordinated. And so if anyone wants to buy me one of those cordless mics, um, I would greatly appreciate it. Um, I'll preach better, I swear. And um, so imagine that this represents your life. And let's say it had water in it the water would represent all the resource that you have. It will represent your time, your energy, your health, your uh, intelligence, your skills, your abilities, your passions. All of those resources would be in this jug ready for you to use. And what life would give to us are options. Maybe your job, maybe your studies, maybe relationships, definitely your walk with God, options. And what we would do with our lives is that we would determine, choose how much resource we would pour into each option. That's how life generally works. It's a little bit too simple. There are some elements, but this kind of captures what options do to our lives. If we pour all beyond all of our lives into one option, what does that mean? Other options are obsolete. You're not going to be able to do that. For example, if you spend 90 hours at work this week, how much time do you have for your family? We have limited resources. We need to understand that our lives are limited by the amount of resource that we have left in our jug after we have sewn it into the options that we have chosen. Resource management. 
And this is what the Bible says about resource management and life. In Romans 12 verse 1 in the message version, Paul writes this. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, different options and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Take your everyday ordinary life, your options that you are choosing every single day and determine whether they are in alignment with God's plan for your life. That is how you give God glory. Embracing what God does for you. What does God do for you? He gives you the ability to have resources. He gives seed to the sower. That's what the Bible teaches us. He's given you breath. He has given you life. He's given you health. He's given you energy. You have got resource. And what we need to do is to steward this resource. We need to understand that for Christians, our life is about resource management, or if you want to use an old school word, stewardship. Isn't that simple? And so we choose how we pour our lives into the different pursuits that we have. Even the mundane, every day, you're sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, do it for God's glory. Paul goes on to say as well in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. What we choose either glorifies God or it doesn't. Pretty simple. So what I want you to consider, the first Sunday of 2020, it is a reflective moment. What kind of options have you chosen? Have you chosen options that are noble, have you chosen options that are godly? Have you chosen options that glorify God? Have you chosen options that are temporary, shallow, self-seeking? Or have you chosen options that leave a legacy and a future to others? Does your options impact other people or are your options completely self-seeking? Are your options childish or are your options pushing you towards maturity? Are you choosing good options? Let me just say something about options as well. The intention to choose good options is not good enough. Because I speak to many people and they say, yes, it is, you know, I, I don't know how it went so badly because I always wanted to serve God with my life. Yeah, it's the same as me committing an adulterous affair and saying, but I never intended to. How many people... Go into marriage and say, my intention is to stay faithful. Every single person is called your marriage vows. But how many marriages break down? About 50%. Why? Because the intention to be faithful is not the same as actually investing into your marriage. So the intention to choose good options is not the same as actually investing into them. So as you look in your life, what options have you actually been sowing into? Have you been sowing into good physical health? Have you been sowing into good emotional health? Have you been sowing into good friendships and relationships? Have you been sowing into a relationship with God? What options are you choosing? Because if life is really about resource management, which I contend that it very much can look like that, 
we can become so caught up with some options at the exclusion of others. We can become like Flight 173, where our career becomes the highlight of our life and where we pour so much of our life into that bucket that our emotional health has got nothing left in it, that our physical health is shot to pieces, that our relationships in our life have got nothing of you in it. That's called unhealthy living. And what happens when you do that? You run dry. Just like Flight 173. They got so caught up with one thing, and you would contend, rightly so. The landing gear is important. Let's deal with that. But that doesn't mean that these aren't important. So what are the options that you are choosing? What are you pursuing and what are you hoping to achieve out of the options that you have been sowing into? See, 2 Peter 1 verse 3 tells us, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. When I was a younger man and I found this verse, it spoke so deeply to me because it tells me that everything that I do, everything that I pursue, if it is within God's calling for my life, I have enough resources. Up to that point in my life, I thought that I needed to work extra hard in order to pursue the things of God. I thought that I would need to, to, to find these deep wells and resources or flog myself trying to pursue what God wanted for my life. As a young man, I found things difficult. I found uh, being loving, being kind, being patient, being long-suffering, all those things that are supposed to come as a fruit of the Spirit. I did not find that natural. And I was like, what is wrong with me? Maybe I don't have enough resource. Maybe I need to pour in even more resource. Maybe I need to find some way to get more resource, more anointing from the Lord, more grace from the Lord. And then I found 2 Peter 1 verse 3, which says that God has given me everything that I need for a godly life. Not only the resources, but the options that we should be choosing. When my life is in alignment, knowing that He has given me enough resources then the option, the, 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 the issue for me is to choose the options that maximizes what God has given to me. It's a choice. I'm not lacking in anything. Now, some of you need to say that to yourself this morning. I do not lack. No, I'm being serious. Some of you are looking at your life and you say, you don't know what I'm going through. Well, God does. And He says that He is able to give exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond. Some of you are saying, you don't know the situations that I have to face. I don't. But God said that He is sufficient and that His power is made perfect in your weakness. So even though the options in front of you look difficult, even though the options in front of you look impossible, God's saying, well, I've got this. When we start to pour our resource into the wrong options and we don't fill up the options that are important, we will run dry. If your life is marked by anxiety, if your life is marked by worry, 
you have been sowing into the wrong options. I'm being serious. If you're finding yourself tired all the time, for no, and it is not because you've got a, a one-year-old that doesn't sleep. So I'm, that is a different phase of life. God gives you a different grace, and you are meant to be tired all the time. That's just what it's like. I'm sorry. But at any other time in your life, if you've got no energy, if you've got no passion, if, you've got, if you're waking up wondering where hope has gone, you have been sowing into the wrong options. You've been looking at your landing gear when your fuel's running dry. What we need to understand, what to do when I've got options, understand that you've always got options. One of the greatest traps that I found in helping people is that, Nate, you don't understand, I don't have the choice. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. If you don't have a choice, you are a robot, not a human being. Some of you feel obligated to certain choices, and I can understand that. But the obligation doesn't mean you don't have a choice. Just like an addiction to a drug means that if you're physically moved towards that drug, you still have a choice. Get clean. It's going to cost you. It's going to be painful. But isn't that a better choice? Yes, you've got options. But Nate, you don't understand. If I don't get the top of my class... I will be irrelevant. Cool, be irrelevant then. What's the point of getting top of the class but your physical health is paying the price? What's the point of getting that promotion when your marriage is falling apart? What is the point of choosing some of the options you feel obligated to when it's costing you in other areas of your life and you are not flourishing? See, the Bible shows me that my life is meant to be one of flourishing. Flourishing doesn't mean that you're rolling in money. Flourishing doesn't mean that you are wearing Gucci shoes and driving a Ferrari. Does Gucci make shoes? I don't know. Some people know. Flourishing means that there's this internal wholeness, this internal peace this sense of meaningfulness about life, this sense that what I'm doing matters. I'm not caught up in pursuing things that are draining me and making me empty. I'm pursuing things that bring life. How do we get to that place? Very simple. Matthew 6.33 but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. If this represents, the yellow cup represents our relationship with God. What we need to do, all of us, every single season, every single year, that's the first option we choose. It says seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. This is what Jesus said about our lives. But seek first his kingdom. What does it mean to seek first God's kingdom? It's to seek his ways. It's to seek his sovereignty. It's to seek his purposes. And then it says, and his righteousness. What is God's righteousness? It means right standing with God. The Bible goes on to describe righteousness as a gift that God gives to us. Righteousness, righteousness is not something we earn. It's something we receive. How do we receive it? by drawing close to God, by simply accepting and saying, God, I want right standing with you. So what do we do? 
Every single year, every single moment, every single season, I will fill up that cup first. Seek first his kingdom. Too many people, at some point, they had a decently filled cup in their relationship with God. And they go, well, there's enough in there for this next season. So I'm going to withdraw from that one. Because right now, I've got this other option. Or maybe I've got this new opportunity. It's so exciting. Promotion. We take that promotion. We fill that promotion cup first. And then we work out, oh, there isn't enough to fill every other cup left. God will take a little bit of a backseat. I'm sure he doesn't mind. God doesn't mind. You're the one that suffers. Because when we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all of these things will be added to you as well. When we seek God first, the Bible teaches us in Romans 12 verse 1 and 2, when we live as a living sacrifice for God and we renew our mind, rejecting the patterns of this world. Read this for yourself. I didn't put it up. Romans 12, 1 to 2. It says, we will know God's will. When we fill this cup, we know God's will. The rest becomes easy peasy. I'm saying that, I'm simplifying. But when we put God first, His will becomes known to us and we know how to align our options so that they are all filled. But when we put God last, we don't know His will, we might end up filling a couple of the cups way too much and not enough in other places and we run dry. Resource management. Resource management. How's your resource management going? I want to read to you John 15, 1 to 8. In fact, if I can get you just to close your eyes for a moment. I want you to use your imagination. I want you to use your reflection right now. I'm going to read to you some words that Jesus spoke to his disciples. And I want you to work out how this is landing for you. Is this stirring something different up for you? Is there a challenge in your heart when these words are spoken? John 15, 1 to 8. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. 
This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Keep your eyes closed. Do you believe that in God, He wants you to lead a fruitful life? That He wants you to have a life that overflows? That He desires your best? Because if you don't, I can understand why you're detaching from the vine. But let me just ask you, if you have been detaching from the vine, how have you been finding life? Is there the overflow? Is there that excitement or is there the grind? Is there the disappointments? Is there that frustration? Is there the anxiety and worry? Because you have to handle every single aspect of your life. Do you believe that God has your best in mind? then what is it going to take for you in 2020 to seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, to draw close to God? Some of you need to make a resolution that you're not going to skip any Sundays. Some of you need to make a resolution to read your Bible. Some of you need to get on to that 14 days of fasting and then to be at least an hour at the 12-hour prayer. I'm not saying that these things supernaturally make you better, but I'm saying it shows that you are pursuing God. Some of you need to stop certain pursuits because those pursuits are pulling you away from God. For some of you, that might be friends. For some of you, it might even be family. Some of you need to look at your career where you are going, and ask yourself, is it worth it? Jesus says, what point is it for a man to earn the whole world but to lose his soul? What to do when you've got options? Seek first God's kingdom and His righteousness. God, I pray over every person right now that there's a moment of reflection and there's a moment of openness to you. I pray that in this moment that we are putting you first. I pray that in this moment that you are speaking life. You don't seek to limit us, but you seek to bring flourishing into our lives. And so, God, I pray for every person that is struggling with the options that are being placed in front of them. And I pray for the courage to put you first. I pray for the courage to say that you are the number one pursuit in our lives. I pray that everything else comes into alignment when you come first. For those who are scared about choosing you, God, I pray that you show yourself faithful and you show yourself strong, you show yourself able. I pray that people here will realize that your grace is sufficient for each and every single one of us and that your power is made perfect in our weakness. Thank you, God. If I can just invite the band up this morning. I feel like God's already speaking to people. I feel like God's already beginning to put certain things in your heart about what this year looks like. 
And I just want to steward this moment, but before we go any further into that, I do want to speak to people that might have strayed away from God, or maybe you've never put God first in your life. You've never invited Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior. That you've always tried to work things out by yourself. And honestly, that is something that all of us at some point have probably tried. I'd, I have. It's a lot easier to trust yourself because you know your intentions and you know your heart. It's a lot harder to trust a God that you can't see. That you have to trust this book called the Bible in order to know His heart. But you've come to the end of yourself and you realize that you need, you need something else. Well, God has made a new option for every single one of us. This door is called salvation. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Whoever enters through me finds life. And that's what I want to help people have this morning. And so I want to lead you in a prayer that invites Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior. And so every eye closed and every head bowed, just repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I know that I have sinned. I know that I have fallen short. I invite you into my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. Amen. Now, if you said that prayer, you made an amazing decision. You've chosen an option that brings life. And we want to help you out. We've got some Bibles at the back for you. Uh, and we've also got this 30-day text that is just going to encourage you on a daily basis. You can just text that number if that's where you are at. Even if you weren't saying that prayer super loud, but you meant it. There was something in it that you really wanted to attach to and you want a bit of help. Just send through that text. It's an anonymous thing. We don't know who sends them through. We just send out a daily text. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. Follow us on Instagram at The Live Church or on Facebook at Live Church Perth. That will give you all the up-to-date information about what's happening in the life of our church. Thanks again for listening. God bless.